Hello and welcome to the Mindfulness for Learning podcast. This episode of the podcast, we are joined by author of Right to the Core, Laura Bean. Laura is a writing specialist and educational wellness consultant. As stated on her website, mindfulliteracy.com, she has been developing the Right to the Core curriculum, which integrates social emotional learning with reading and writing. Uh, I feel that it's so important that we we invite students to bring their emotional lives uh, to school and their, their lives outside of school, you know, the challenges, the pressures, you know, the joys of, of their, their larger lives. This work promotes self-reflection, empathy, compassion and creativity while addressing common core standards. Laura is currently offering secondary schools and educators the chance to work with her to explore this inspiring new curriculum. So have a listen and get in touch with her. You can contact her using her website, mindfulliteracy.com forward slash contact, or you can find her on Instagram and Facebook on at Laura Bean Mindful Literacy. Now it's time to hear all about the Right to the Core curriculum, so let's welcome Laura Bean. Laura Bean, welcome to the Mindfulness for Learning podcast. It's a real pleasure to have you join us from a different time zone. Remind us where in the world are you? Um, hello, thank you so much for having me on. I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area and it is 1230 in the afternoon on Lovely. Saturday. Oh, it's, it's, isn't it wonderful to be able to connect when we're, when we're that far away? I love it. It really is. What's the weather like there at the moment? Because we're experiencing a bit of a September heat wave as we head back into school post-summer, which is a bit strange. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of when summer starts for us here in the Bay Area. So it is uh, very, very beautiful outside and sunny and uh, probably 75 degrees. Wow. Lovely. So we're experiencing that at the moment. It is, it is a, a pleasure. But, you know, the teachers have had their first week back this week and it's been quite something being in classrooms without air conditioning. So uh, yeah, I think we're wanting heard... it to reduce a little bit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Same thing here. They've yeah. been ending school early and yeah. So you're an educator and you have written a book, Right to the Core, which there is a link for on the episode summary. Um, It's a curriculum designed to incorporate mindfulness into poetry and writing exploration. And in the foreword of the book, which is written by Amy Saltzman, MD Director of the Association for Mindfulness in Education, that during a decade in Japan, you deepened your mindfulness practice, working closely with a master teacher and spending several weeks participating in silent meditation retreats. Um, I was very jealous when I read that. I thought that sounds so amazing. Can you explain to us how you discovered mindfulness and how your particular practice began incorporating writing? Um, well, yeah, I kind of uh, reminisce about those those times too when I, I, I was teaching a university uh, in Kyoto, Japan and um, had a a lot a lot more time uh, and space and a mentor who just really um, uh, seemed like all, all he wanted to do was get us in into retreats and uh, so um, yeah I just it was just just been a real blessing in my life um, I um, but I, I began uh, in my in my early 20s uh, dealing with a lot of anxiety um, and just trying, which I understand is a lot of what happens in your early 20s when you're trying to establish yourself in the world and find a place to land. And um, so um, I entered the world of mindfulness through through yoga. 
and uh, just really was always looking forward to the last few minutes of of the hour when we did what's called the death pose, Shavasana, and, and just uh, were really able to just be still and to, to, to listen and to really connect deeply with our, with our bodies and with our breath. Um, and, uh, but actually writing, um, when I was reflecting on your question, I think ref- writing actually came first. Um, I, I was a, um, after, after college, um, I joined the Peace Corps, which is a, a volunteer organization that sends mostly young people, um, like I was at the time, um, overseas and to support in development in, um, uh, in, you know, developing countries, and uh, I was uh, I was placed in a, a small indigenous village outside of Quito, Ecuador, in South America, and it was really there, just like you know, walking. Um, you know, I didn't have a car, I didn't have a bicycle, um, just walking on the earth uh, in that in that village and to and from the main highway which which where I could you know jump a bus to go up to Quito um, but um, I spent you know just a lot of time uh, connecting with nature and and really just just slowing down my my thoughts and and um, and, and that was during that time that I began writing right and what were you writing at that point? Were you just writing about your experiencing experiences? Were you writing in the form of poetry or? Um, no, I was. I think I was doing both. But um, I remember writing a uh, one of my first poems. I wrote there about my my grandmother, and uh, so yeah, yeah. I've always kind of had a had a mind for for poetry and uh, metaphor. Yeah. So then following the writing, along came mindfulness. Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. But they've, they've really been um, interconnected and intertwined for, uh, you know, for 30 years. And um, I, I have an MFA in creative writing um, and um, really, you know, just it was just beautiful to be able to create this curriculum because I feel like it's it's a it's kind of bringing my my uh, my career, my uh, academic life, my educational life, uh, you know, kind of full circle, which really uh, began with the poetry. And then um, uh, where I, I kind of set set my pen down uh, for for most of a decade when I was in Japan and working with my teacher there and um and uh you know picking it up again and as he said you know uh when you pick up your pen again you know let it be for the benefit of of others and not kind of this ego driven thing about being a writer right yeah that's interesting (laughs) so yeah because i had kind of i had kind of come to a place where i was really like experiencing um, you know, what they call, you know, classic writer's block and, mm. and just really frustrated with, with my writing practice. And uh, is that the reason that you, there was a pause on the writing because you were feeling that? Yes. Uh huh. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was also his, his suggestion, you know, and uh, when you're in, uh, you know, silent meditation retreats, uh, you know, for days at a time, it, it's, it's not a place where you, where you read, it's not a place where you write, it's a place where you're just still, you know, so, so that was my training. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you write about how, as teachers, we only see the tip of the iceberg. And and this is interesting, you know, there's so much about our students that we don't know. And you talk about how we don't know where they've come from, what their home life is like, how they rank in the fierce social order of their peers. How and how you cre- how you've created this curriculum to support the building of what you call authentic relationships and help young people deepen their connection. And I do believe that autonomy and being human and having a genuine interest in the students in our care is the key to instilling a love of learning in the children we care for. But you know, in your opinion, do we have time to see more than the tip of the iceberg in today's education system? Because it always feels like that bit is the first to be removed when we've got a lot of data to get in and results to achieve. Yeah, um, it's a really great question. And, um, you know, I think we're, we're really on the same page about that. It, it really depends on our priorities, you know, and, um, uh, I feel that it's so important that we, we invite students to bring their emotional lives uh, to school and their, their lives outside of school, you know, the challenges, the pressures, you know, the joys of, of their, their larger lives. Um, and, um, you know, in order to, to ask, to invite students to do that and to get them to do it, uh, I think it's really important that that we as educators are, you know, model vulnerability for our students and, you know, that uh, they can see, you know, our, our foibles, our insecurities, um, you know, our less than perfect moments. And, you know, as an example, I was uh, just at the beginning of the school year, um, I was taught, we were talking about losing things and, you um, you know, and I, I mentioned that, um, you know, I have this habit of, you know, rummaging through my sheets and pillows, trying to find my cell phone in my bed, <laughs> you know, and, and asking the students, you know, uh, you know, uh, how many of you have this experience, you know, and having, a, you know, a bunch of hands going up, you know, and uh, so um, that's an immediate so just, connection right there. Y- yeah, yeah. So that that was a that was a good moment. Okay, so I'm I'm not entirely familiar with the curriculum in the U- U.S., but in the U.K., the curriculum at present, in my opinion, is extremely full and outdated. And with Right to the Core, you've developed a curriculum that encompasses mindfulness, yoga, reading, and writing. And it's 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 complicated, but you do say that the the program proved effective at, effective at developing their reading and writing skills. And at mid year, forty percent advanced to the next level of English language development compared to 20% the previous year, which was amazing. Can you tell us about the curriculum you have developed? Where does it start? What do the students do first? And, and how does it develop over time? Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, the, I think as you mentioned at the top of the show, you know, it's a uh, social emotional learning infused reading and writing curriculum. So, so uh, I was very mindful in creating it that uh, the lessons met, you know, academic uh, reading and writing standards because, after all, this is what teachers are paid to do, um, and uh, and you know there there never seems to be enough time in the day, uh, and the week, and the month, and uh, so I I thought okay let's let's integrate the uh, mindfulness, self-compassion, emotional intelligence uh, work 
uh, within the context of, of a lesson that meets those, those academic standards. Um, and so the curriculum is, it, there's 12 lessons and each one is centered around an anchor poem. Um, and uh, so, so, you know, a, a, a Typical lesson begins with um, some physical movement. Um, I'm, I'm a very big uh, proponent of, of that. Um, I feel like the, the body is a really uh, underutilized uh, resource uh, in the classroom for uh, having students uh, uh, ground and, and be present uh, for learning. And uh, so anyway, so, um, you know, we will do some some gentle movement, um, and then uh, a, there's a quick write where they, uh, you know, that kind of centers around the the theme of the of the poem and invites them to uh, talk about their their lived experience, uh, write about it, and share. Um, and then we move into the a very a brief mindfulness. Um, and self-compassion practice. I feel like you know self-compassion is is really uh, an integral part of mindfulness, and so so that's you know definitely a recurring theme throughout the entire curriculum. Um, and uh, so then at the end of that that um, you know mindfulness practice, um, the the teacher reads the poem, and then uh, the students uh, uh, listen and. Uh, they fill out a like a listening kind of a closed listening activity where I, I pulled out some of the you know more challenging vocabulary and then the students uh, fill in uh, a a sheet with and so they have their own copy of the poem and then and then we just kind of move into like just simple appreciations of you know what is the what is this poem saying to you. Um, you know, what are your favorite, uh, you know, what are some favorite words or phrases, you know, so, so it's not the, the analytical, you know, academic, it's at, at the beginning, it's really, it's this, it's just this really, you know, heartfelt appreciation for, yeah. for the words. It feels like you're able to, con like, there's so much more connection there, like what we were talking about before, about those authentic relationships, those steps seem to be a lot more open to sharing part of who you are and them sharing parts of who they are and what they're noticing and what you're noticing and bringing that to the table is that is that would you say that's right absolutely yeah absolutely absolutely and and so they you know and it's not because poetry can be intimidating you know for adults even you know and uh so and so my you know my approach is to just to really really make it very gentle and very very accessible um, and so then, um, so then after that, that, you know, after those, those steps of listening and appreciating that, then we, then it, we will go into more of the, the academic, um, uh, portion of it where they're looking at, at theme and, and, um, poetic tools that are, that the poet used. And, um, and then from there, uh, the the culminating activity is for them to write their own version of the poem, and and so there 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 are templates that they can that I've created that follow the the the, the structure of the original poem, and and um, you know invite students to brainstorm ideas in different categories that that they can then use to 
um, to you know quite quite easily feel successful in writing writing uh, their own version of the poem. That makes it really accessible, and and you have one to share with us today. Uh, yeah, I would love to to share, and this this kind of goes back to uh, thinking about. Um, Vulnerability, and this is um, this is a lesson that's uh, towards the end of the curriculum. Um, it's it's on the theme of forgiveness, and it's based on the poem "Revenged," uh, "Revenge" by the poet Taha Muhammad Ali, a Palestinian uh, poet. And uh, the original is a, is like two pages long, and it's this it's this meditation on on forgiving uh, forgiving someone. And uh, so I distilled uh, the poem into just you know the most potent lines for the for the writing template, and and I had a um, um, a student who's uh, was a senior um, uh, named Samantha, college bound and a, a very high achiever, um, but someone who was who was deeply impacted by her father uh, leaving her family, and and in this piece I felt like she was really able. To, to work through uh, the anger that she felt and, um, and wrote just this really beautiful poem. It's called Father. Father, at times I wish I could skin him alive while he watches. The man who made me unable to accept love and preoccupied his life with everything but me. But if it came to light when the man appeared that he had a niece who loved to FaceTime every night and a mother who depended on him, then I would not harm him, even if I could. So that is... Wow. Uh, father. That was really, really beautiful. Some of the language used in there. And, ha- and how old was that student? Uh, she was uh, probably 17 or 18 wow. years old. Yeah. So impressive. Yeah. And and I think as well, like you were, you were saying about making it seem accessible you know poetry can feel like that's not for me that's I can't do that um and just hearing the 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 strength of that language is really quite something wow amazing thank you for sharing that with us um mindfulness is of course much more mainstream now much more popular and many children and young people will have at least heard of the word mindfulness And in the book, you speak of one high school student who responded that by doing mindfulness, they said, you disconnect from others' opinions and get to sit in only your own thoughts. With phones, you are constantly being shoved with others' opinions, how you should act, what to think, what's cool, and who liked your post. Do you think that screens and and social media and technology steal our present or our ability to be still? And how can mindfulness help young people navigate and manage the world of tech and social media? Yeah, it's uh, very timely. Um, You know, I I, in reflecting on that. I think about how I have used, uh, you know, screens in my own life for the good, you know. And, you know, I have, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the Calm app, but... uh, you know, insight timer and and these things that that really make mindfulness so accessible uh, for people to have an introduction, you know, in the comfort of their own home and uh, and have a, a you know just a bite sized practice to begin with is are just fantastic, you know. And I mean, I I've done um, n- numerous retreats online and and um, you know there's a, there's an app for children uh, from um, 
neuropsychiatrist, uh, psych- believe that's his title, Richie Davidson here in the States. It's called the Healthy Minds app. Mm-hmm. And um, just, you know, so there really are some fantastic uh, uses of the, you know, the internet screens and, and apps. <laughs> and there's, of course, we know, you know, plenty of distraction out there. And uh, so um, I think one of the things that mindfulness can can help with is to, of course, like slowing things down and and being able to uh, to 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 reflect and see, okay, this feels urgent, but is this important? You know, and to be able to make that make that distinction between, you know, the, the, what the notifications and the text messages and <laughs> you know that come in and feel so urgent um uh to to really thinking okay wh- how is this making me feel and what is it that i really want to prioritize um you know so so being able to move away from what they call automat automaticity you know or just running on habit you know and being able to reflect um and uh you know um i'm not a big social media person um um, very small, by the way, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I mean, I I understand, you know, just in my walk, ar- my walking around world, you know, how the, you know, the comparing mind, the feelings of inadequacy, you know, and I know with this compulsion, you know, that there's there's shame around the time that's been lost, and uh, so um, I did. I if I if I may, I'd like to just share a. Uh, a, a short quote from um, one of my students. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear. We it. watched the um, the the documentary, the social dilemma, um, in uh, in a uh, mindful writing uh, course. And uh, so, anyway, it's it's I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's really about the influences of of social media. It's fantastic. That's called the social the social dilemma. Um, and it's a, and it's a TV show. It's a documentary. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, it's kind of the whistleblowers in, in Silicon Valley uh, talking about the, you know, the ills of their own creations. Um, yeah. It's, it's very, very impactful. Anyway, uh, this, this, uh, this was also a, um, um, a, a senior in high school wrote, uh, with social media, I got validation instantaneously. I became addicted because of the dopamine hit. I wanted more and more validation, but it was never enough. I wondered what new thing I could post that would make everyone's mouth drop. Hmm. Uh, and so these are these are students who um, who have you know deleted their accounts and have really really stepped back and um, and and you know, realize that for themselves, the damage that it was, it was causing their, their mental health. And that's really the the strength of mindfulness right there, isn't it? Because it doesn't even mean that you have to delete your account. It's just that moment that you recognize that you're still enough to stop and say, well, this is why I'm doing this. And I love that quote, this, this feels urgent, but is it important? That's such a strong, strong message. And, you know, as soon as my phone vibrates, as soon as it beeps, I have this need. Well, I must mm-hmm. need to answer it now because it, it's mm-hmm. beeped. It's, it's telling me I need to answer it now. <laughs> and quite often I will be playing with my children or doing something of so much more importance. But mm. yet it grabs my attention. And it's that mindfulness that that will enable you to pause and actually ask that question. 
Um, so that's that's really um, a nice quote from from that student there. That knowing what's going on with the dopamine in the brain and that having that understanding of what's physically happening as well. It's very very right. strong. Hmm. Right. Um, the the curriculum is split up into stages and which you've talked about uh, and each includes an exploration of a poem you have a poem for each lesson is that right Mm -hmm. that's correct Uh and and you follow the poems with something called text response questions where do these questions fit in and what are the children learning through the act of answering response questions Mm -hmm. yeah so um as I, as I said before, you know, these the lessons are, are all aligned uh, with, with academic reading and writing standards and being able to write a text response um, is, you know, really, a, you know, a basic academic task um, um, where and uh, so the, the lessons, you know, are, are, are a way for, for teachers to, to focus on rigor uh, through having the students write uh, a text response where they look at the, the, theme, the theme of the work and, and uh, cite textual evidence, which is like, uh, the, you know, the holy grail mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for <laughs> academic writing, you know, as to be able to pull something out and say, well, this, this supports my, my, my opinion and um and then making a connection with your life you know so um so that's um yeah so i really i wanted to to include that as well mm. and and you know in the uk there the opinion on the curriculum and the requirements and sometimes well a lot of the time the pressures on teachers to reach certain standards especially of you know the what we would call the academic side of things in in the US, is there that polarization of you know traditional versus progressive, and and where do you stand on the curriculum in the US and where it's at at the moment? Um, well, I mean, I, I you know I'm I, I I'm trying to to um, steer things a, <laughs> a, a little bit more you know in the direction of like the whole child, you know, and the whole child not just in not just in primary, you know, not just in elementary school, but but throughout, and you know, the thing about um, middle and high school, uh, it's when you know the stakes are that much higher for uh, students' lack of self-control, you know, um, and uh, you know, being able to manage themselves and make make good decisions, you know. So, uh, so I feel like it's it's um, it's so important, and um, you know. Uh, however much we want to deny it or 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 not i don't know if it's denying maybe it's just looking the other way or but you know teaching and learning are emotional (laughs) you know and um and uh i think it's for you know for our whole society um really to be able to say hey you know what emotions really are important, you know, in the workplace, um, you know, in the classroom. And uh, we need to honor that. And I think it's, I think it's, it's starting to, you know, happen more and more uh, since the pandemic. But, you know, in the U.S. here, like the youth mental health crisis, I mean, this, this began, you know, way before the pandemic. And um, I think it's something like, you know, one in, three uh high school students you know is like has this persistent feeling of hopelessness 
you know, and it's like, wow, we can do so much better than that, you know, so I've taken inspiration from, from all of these poems, and I, um, I just felt they would be just so beneficial for the whole learning environment, you know, the, the teachers, um, as well as the students. So I feel like, you know, inspiration, you know, inspiration and creativity and healing, you know, that we can, in fact, make our learning environments healing centered and creative and joyful, you know, that it that there's room for all that. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I think it is where, those, you know, you know, in your classroom doing what you can and by you creating this curriculum, I think sometimes we can look at the problem the things that we see as problematic within the curriculum or the education system itself and it seems so huge but actually those acts that you do the way that you behave in your classroom you know it, it has an impact even if it does feel small it's and then there's the ripple effect isn't there absolutely mm. and, and and interesting that you should talk about secondary because or I work in primary um, mm -hmm. And we always think of the smaller children being so vulnerable and we need to be there. You know, even as parents, we take maternity leave or we might not go back to work full time because they need us. And quite often mm. they get become teenagers and we say, oh, they don't need us as much. But actually they need us at sometimes more than they did when they were little. So, I, I, you know, it's really nice that that's being thought about and considered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they're looking for people, you know, also other than their, other than their parents, you know, so so other other adults, and and so for us for us teachers, um, you know, we sometimes spend more time with more time with the kids than they do with their parents, you know. So um, I know I work with students on the you know lower socioeconomic uh, scale, and you know parents, you know, can be working two or three jobs, you know, and, uh, or if they're even with their parents, because a lot of my students are English learners. And so they're some often, you know, living with an, an aunt or an uncle or, or, a, an, an older sibling and their parents are not, not even in this country. Yeah. So, yeah. But they, yeah. They, you know, we, we are that, that kind of grounding that person, aren't we, that, they, that they look to, um, which is why school is so important. That kind of fits quite nicely with my next question because you, you mention um, David Trelevan in the book who is a trauma professional. Is the Right to the Core curriculum a trauma-sensitive curriculum? And if so, how? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, um, uh, to the best of my ability um, at this time, um, I've tried to make it so. Um, you know, with um, with always beginning the the mindfulness practices um, as an invitation, um, and uh, you know giving students the option to, to sit quietly, to read, to to color, um, and um, and then in terms of the practice, you know that um, it's not necessary that they close their eyes; they can just lower their gaze. Um, and, uh, you know, giving a lot of options for where they connect, um, you know, um, traditionally it's, you know, connecting with the breath, but, but for some people that's, that's not comfortable or, or connect, even connecting with the body, you know, uh, with, with, with sensations in the body, uh, can be, um, not, not, uh, you know, not comfortable for people. So, so really letting them 
lead um, in terms of, you know, where they want to focus their attention. It can be on, you know, sounds in the environment. If they, if they choose to keep their eyes open, you know, to just notice, uh, you know, notice, you know, shadows on the wall or, or, or shapes and colors, you know, but to just relax and uh, relax their focus so it's you know it's they're not it's not about um, you know just just being open to 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 forms and shapes without a lot of um, concepts around you know what things are and making judgments about them you know so so that that's a that's a that's an important uh, that's providing options and then and then um, you know including time to to debrief the practices I mean I found in my experience that a lot of times, uh, it's very hard for students to put words on to put words on it. You know what they experienced, um, but you know you can always poll students for you know who felt sleepy, who felt restless, you know who felt angry, uh, you know uh, who felt sad. You know to just just to normalize a wide range of experiences and talk about emotions. You know. Mm. Um, so they don't have this expectation that mindfulness is going to feel that particular way for everyone. They've got this Absolutely. idea that it might feel uncomfortable or it might feel, you know, it might make you feel really at peace, but it might not and not having that expectation and then they failed at it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, being able to, you know, just to recognize that, you know, the mind is a is a thought making machine, you know, <laughs> you know, and and that that's just um that's um that that's okay that's what you know that's what the mind does and what we're doing is you know training this this muscle of of awareness and you know gently uh compassionately returning to whatever your anchor of attention is my t- my teacher used to say it's like uh like uh feeding you know feeding uh applesauce to a baby you know? <laughs> you know we have like the you know zero coming in zeroing in you're like the airplane you know coming yeah. to the mouth and and it's just it's just like that it's just you know because really in terms of focus uh, you know focusing our attention we're we're like little babies you know yeah 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 absolutely so. and and uh, how has your mindfulness practice developed over time and what does it look like now well, I still, um, you know, I still try to um, attend retreats as much as as much as possible. I was um, on, I did a couple weeks um, over the summer um, that were really wonderful. And, um, you know, I maintain a, a daily practice. Um, it's sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's listening to an app on my, you know, it can be, it can be, it can be 10 minutes, you know, or I try to try to at least sit um, you know, try to, you know, set my timer for 30 minutes and maybe I'll listen to the, listen to, um, a guided practice and then, and then continue to sit, you know, for a half hour or something like that. So, um, but I, you know, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to be here in the Bay area where, you know, there are, um, you know, there are meditation teachers, uh, that I'm connected with and, and um you know and other folks that i know you know that we we support each other uh to continue our practice so it's really really important and then at school i have um, a couple of my colleagues uh that we sit together uh you know once a week um and um, just do a short 10 10 minute practice and a check in a check out 
um, uh, once a week. And, um, and that is really fantastic uh, for me, you know, to be able to, to bring this uh, really important part of my life uh, into my work, you know, and it, and I did it because I absolutely needed it for myself, you know, and, and being able to, you know, take step by step by step, um, being able to, to share it and feel that it's, it's safe to share and that it's, um, it's appreciated, you know, so I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate. My, my principal at my school, you know, he's invited me to share a mindful minute um, in the beginning of faculty meetings. And, and this year now I'm doing, I'm, I'm a part-time teacher and a part-time coach. So um, um, just hopefully uh, being able to, to step into to other teachers' classrooms and, and talk with them about their emotional lives, you know, because I feel that that is just so so critical and uh, so under uh, uh, under supported, you know, and it's one thing to say, oh, we, we want our students, we, we, you know, for our students to be able to talk about their emotional lives at school, you know, and it's like, well, you know, we need to be able to, to, to bring our emotional lives to school because they're there anyway, you know. And, and to really get that support, even if it's just, you know, uh, you know, peer, peer support from each other to be able to talk, um, be able to talk and, and, um, and just, yeah, just to offer ourselves and each other compassion for the work that we're, we're in. Yeah, I think a really important way, well, a, a good way to keep teachers, I know teacher retention is a huge problem here at the moment in the UK. But yeah, of, here as well. Uh, yeah, and, and, and not allowing teachers to bring part of themselves is a huge problem, I think. We, you know, we're not robots. We, we're not here right. just to hand over facts and figures to, to students. We are here to give part of ourselves. And actually, if we can't do that, we don't feel that sense of purpose or belonging or connection. And that, I think that's a massive problem in, in teacher retention right now. So it's really lovely to hear that your principal has given you that space to bring part of who you are. Yeah, and to see the value, see the value in that. Mm, yeah. yeah, really great. And mindfulness practice is often guided. I mean, we, we, you know, we can do it unguided, but... And it's usually we have a set amount of time in mind. Sometimes we have timers. And in the curriculum, the writing practice element is timed. And I'd just like to explore the concept of the quick write, which is one of the steps in the curriculum. And this is writing with pen and paper and writing that is timed. So how does it work and what are the benefits? Um, so I really see, um, you know, quick writing um, as very, very similar to, to mindfulness practice in that... Um, it's a way of listening to ourselves and, and by, you know, one of the practices and I, I've, I've shared, um, there's a, um, writing teacher and author, Natalie Goldberg, who's written, um, uh, uh, six or seven rules of writing practice. And those are included in the beginning, uh, section of the, of the book, uh, and, um, you know, they're, they're just really beautiful around, um, just accepting what um, what comes out you know one of the one of the ones that I always think of is uh, you know you're free to write the worst junk in the whole of the English language <laughs> you yeah. know and so so it's this idea of just you know whatever whatever wants to wants to um, be be said you know be known 
let it let it come through your pen you know yeah yeah um, and uh, so yeah and it definitely is that that physical practice you know from 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 the heart uh, to the hand you know to the paper so um, yeah so to just be able to to you know write it down without without judgment or evaluation and um, it's like you know with mindfulness that's where i see the the how they're so similar is like in both like writing practice a blank you know the blank page or the you know we call the container that you you develop through your mindfulness practice where where you know you're able to to hold you know your thoughts your feelings and and that there's there's an awareness of something there's a container to to hold those things you know that they don't need to um you know barrel us over you know it's like that we have the, the metaphor of the the ocean you know and it's like we have the the you know the sometimes choppy surface of the ocean and the waves and and then you know there's these deeper this deeper pool of of calm and and serenity and um and through both mindfulness and and writing um uh, i think we can we can tap into that mm. yeah i really love that, that that writing is a way of listening to ourselves that's really lovely um yeah it's very, very similar isn't it to, to mindfulness and, and yes and you've got a, a website mindfulliteracy.com which has uh, more information about the curriculum um, what is the best way for people to contact you, find your book, book or be supported by you? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as you mentioned, the, the website, mindfulliteracy.com with two L's in the middle, Mindful Literacy. And um, my book is available um, on uh, bookshop.org. I just learned about this um, uh, website to really uh, support independent booksellers. And also from my my um, my publisher Roman and Littlefield, and um, yeah, and they can um, sign up for a newsletter and um, on my on my website. Amazing! Thank you so much, Laura. It's been really really wonderful to to think about writing in in a different way because quite often. It, with the curriculum there's a lot of pressure on writing in particular um, in most settings that I've worked in in the last 15 years writing has been the area where we're kind of really under pressure to get results and seeing it coupled up with this more mindful approach where we can pause and really actually get a lot of personal social emotional gain from the writing that we're doing is, is just really inspiring so thank you so much for creating it and I um you my know, pleasure I, having read it it was really a joy to read so anybody who's listening uh, get your copy um and, and it really can change the way that you approach writing with your students so thank you thank you so much a big thank you to Laura Bean for sharing her experiences and curriculum with us. If you wish to contact Laura for further support with implementing her curriculum in your secondary school, please contact her at mindfulliteracy.com forward slash contact or on her Instagram and Facebook pages at Laura Bean Mindful Literacy. Thank you to our Mindfulness for Learning community, as always, for tuning in. And thank you to Ben Corbett for editing this episode. Thank you for listening and see you next time.